On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Akron Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we break down the staff changes for OU football. Then we dive into the 5 plus 7 model for the college football playoff and what the future of the playoff could look like. And we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, February 21st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of February, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if your business wants to advertise on the podcast, please email us at the Oklahoma Breakdown at gmail.com. Ted, we got some exciting things in the works here in the next couple yeah. of weeks on the podcast. Yes, we do. A programming note. Kings of Leon is releasing a new single tomorrow, February 22nd. They will also be announcing some tour dates. And the first interview that they'll be doing about their new single, their new album, their new tour will be on this podcast. Look at us. Football guys talking music, Ted. Uh, no big deal. The number one music podcast in the country right now or soon to be. We will We'll put that out. Yeah, we'll put that out tomorrow night on YouTube and then... We will have it have that interview as part of uh, the Sunday episode as well. So very fired up to have Jared and Caleb Followell on the podcast. Going to be so much fun. But as always, let's start with the OU football stuff. Staff changes, more staff changes. Mm-hmm. Already have a new offense coordinator. Already have a new defensive coordinator, and now. Per Matt Zenitz, OU's director of player personnel and recruiting, J.R. Sandlin is leaving Oklahoma to be the general manager and an assistant AD at SMU. Dad, it looks like we're going to have to find someone else to talk to on the bus rides on away games. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, I don't know. I guess stuff like this is never really a shock, but... um, you know, I didn't know that that was coming, but 
you know, I, I think that he he's clearly done some good things. It's hard to know, like, who do you necess- necessarily attribute different things to up there? I think it's all one group that has worked pretty well together. We've recruited well as as a as a staff over the last couple of years, and you know, I I think that's going to continue. Not to take anything away from what he had done at OU, but I, you know, I think we're going to continue to recruit with, really well. I am. I'm not worried about it. Now, J.R. Sandlin, he did some nice things when it came to organizing some of the things that they were doing when it came to the evaluation process and how they were building their recruiting board. You know, I was able to go in there with him and see how they organized everything, how they prioritize certain guys, what certain guys get at their at a certain priority level as far as the recruiting materials that they send them. It was, it was impressive stuff. He also, I thought he did a nice job of connecting recruits, getting them in a group text, things like that. Also, I, I heard multiple recruits say that they, they really appreciated that he kept them informed. He was very good at checking in when he could, knowing the rules surrounding all of that stuff. But with that all being said, I got all the confidence in the world in Drew Hill and Curtis Lofton to handle the personnel and management duties for Oklahoma football. Now, I'll I'll miss having JR around because he was a fun guy to talk to. Mm -hmm. He he really was. you, You could sit down and talk to that guy for a long, long time. Whether it was a flight, bus ride. Somehow he always ended up next to you, Ted. I think he liked you. <laughs> well, yeah, I you know, talked to talked a lot of ball with him and you know, I'm, I think he'll do some good stuff at SMU. Uh, but I'm with you. I got all the confidence in the world in, in Drew Hill and, and Curtis Lofton. I think, you know, just from some of the conversations that you know I've had and not just recently really since he started there, I think Curtis Lofton is perfect for the role. Perfect. No doubt. Now, there are there are some reports out there that Curtis is set to be the general manager for Oklahoma football. I can tell you that he is not the general manager yet. However, he did meet with Joe Harris on Tuesday, and the expectation is that he will be elevated to some new position. Not sure if that will be labeled general manager or assistant general manager, or if they come up with some fancier title than that. But I can tell you this, that he is going to be serving a massively important role for Oklahoma football. And I think he's built for it, but I think he's the perfect guy for the job. Just like you said. Yep. Totally agree. I mean, he is, he's so well positioned because uh, like he is, he's a cool dude. I, he's, he has the player's respect. You know, he was an unbelievable player at Oklahoma, was an unbelievable player in the NFL, young enough to be able to, you know, to relate to the, to the guys, uh, the recruits, the, the guys on staff or uh, the guys on roster transfer portal guys whatever but at the same time like he 
he knows the game. He's he knows who can play. Uh, he has an eye for athletes. He speaks Brent Venables language. He played for Brent Venables. And what I think is the the most important aspect of it is and I don't know, it's just my my feeling of it. You have some people that are, uh, you know, very aspirational and want to climb the ladder and want to, you know, turn whatever they're doing now into something huge. And I don't think that that's Curtis at all. So what I'm saying is you can often have people in positions like this is what's best for me to get elevated to the next spot. And uh, you kind of get yes men whenever something like that happens. Curtis is not a yes man. No. He will tell you exactly what he thinks. And, you know, he could go do something else tomorrow if he wanted to or do nothing tomorrow if he wanted to. So the fact that he's doing this means he wants this spot and I think it's it's just good all the way around. He is going to tell the head guy what he thinks without anything being sugar-coated, whether it's what he thinks he wants to hear or not. And I think that's what you have to have in a successful program. He is, he is not a guy that is shy with his opinions. And, and that's the type of guy I think works best with BV. Mm-hmm. Another aggressive, strong personality that Venables absolutely respects. I mean, there's just no doubt. So when you look at what Curtis has been doing with the Soul Mission stuff, but also I I know that he has he's had a big he's had a big hand in cleaning up some of the things that he thought that they were doing wrong as far as their recruiting process mm-hmm. and how they were going about it. And now with whatever this new title ends up being, he's going to be IDing and evaluating high school and portal prospects. He's going to be scouting. He's going to continue to streamline and increase the efficiency of how they approach recruiting. I, I think that you know, he's had a hand in redesigning some of that stuff already. And the one thing that I know Curtis will do is he'll just evaluate the tape. Doesn't care how many stars you got. Doesn't care. It is going to be one of those things where he can sit down and watch. And like you said, that he will tell you absolutely exactly what he thinks. Mm-hmm. on a prospect, whether it's a high school recruit or a portal guy. And this role is going to be substantial. But the best part about it, and this is, I, I've had these conversations with Curtis over the last couple of years. All he cares about is that OU wins football games. Now there's the whole developing these guys as young men, but if you're doing the right stuff on and off the field, you win games. If you're evaluating and developing and you've got the right guys in the building, 
you win games. And I can tell you that the number one thing that matters to Curtis Lofton when it comes to OU football is that they win football games moving forward. So this is a guy that was extremely highly recruited. He was an All-American in college. He was a second-round pick. Had an extremely successful NFL career. And I just, I think he can talk to players differently than a lot of other guys could. Right? Yep. Curtis Lofton can talk, can approach players differently, and the players will approach him differently than they did J.R. Sandler. It's just the truth. Because there's that built-in respect. Like, oh, that guy was a bad dude on the football field. And he went where I want to get. There's, I, I just, I am, I, I'm really, really excited for him. I think he's going to be great at this. I am too. And, you know, he's, I, whenever he started, when Coach Venables came and he started there, you know, it was just a, I'm going to do a little part-time deal. Uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time up there, I, you know, I've got the other things I want to do, and slowly Venables just reeled him in. And I think that, I mean, obviously he's enjoyed it. I think he's had a big impact on the program. And, you know, stepping into a spot like this, he can have an even bigger impact on the program. And I cannot endorse this any more than I am right now. At 100% behind it. I think it's going to be fantastic. It's something we've been pushing for. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be like, it will be. He, I, I, I do not think that, and I'm not saying that this has happened there before. It's just Curtis. One of the best ways to negotiate is whenever you're willing to say no. And I think Curtis Lofton is the perfect guy to say no thank you and hang the phone up and you're surprised what happens whenever you know you have conviction in doing that in saying no so i i don't know i think he's i think he's just going to be fantastic i think this is it, it feels like ou continuing to work towards what i would call the nfl model general manager assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and, and those people are crucial because the coaches only have so much time. Yeah, that, That's the thing in the NFL. The coaches, the players are there, and the coaches coach the players, and they worry about ball. And as, as much as you can take off the coach's plate and let them focus on development and football as long as your personnel people are doing a really good job at what they're supposed to be doing that that's just that's where college football is now that it's the nfl model that's what it is yep i mean look at how much bigger that that staff and all the the back office everything think about how much bigger it is than whenever you played and then whenever I played, it's just, it's grown and grown and grown. It's a, it's a massive beast. And, you know, I, I think they continue to 
not that they've had bad people. I'm not saying that, but I think they continue to fine tune and get the the staff and everyone behind the scenes just right. Curtis is going to do a great job. Uh, Woody Glasses, he's going to continue to serve that. I would say it's more of an administrative role. Whether you want to call Woody the general manager, the chief of staff, more of the logistics type of stuff day to day, but Curtis is going to be, I think, more the football side of things amongst some other really important stuff. So I am, I'm thrilled, man. I am, I'm absolutely thrilled. I think he's going to kill it. Now, one other staff change that we need to talk about. Remember Lee Davis, who was the director of on-campus recruiting for OU, left for UCF. Sooners Illustrated has reported that OU is hiring Jolie Ali, Jolie Ale. Do we know how to say her last name? A-L-E. It looks like Ale. Looks like Ale. I'm going with Ale. How about we just call her Jolie for now? <laughs> Jolie's until we get to meet un- Until we get to meet her, which I'm excited to meet her. She she has served this same role at Utah. Most re- recently was with the LA Chargers in their community re- relations department. And anyone that has worked in an NFL community relations department, at times that can be like herding cats, <laughs> trying to get all those guys to some of those engagements uh, throughout throughout the community. So I'm sure she is very, very qualified for this position, but it's a tough job. Everything matters. So Ted, I hope I hope she's incredible at what she does, and that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, it it is it is not an easy job. It it is a the recruiting stuff that happens. I mean, just even on campus is bigger and bolder and more involved every single year, everywhere in the country. So yeah, it's. That is a not an easy job at all. Good luck to her. Yeah. A lot of moving parts when it comes to unofficial visits, official visits, the junior day stuff, uh, game days. Uh, there's just so much going on. So you got to be extremely organized. You got to be extremely personable. And you also got to have some thick skin. <laughs> Right, yeah. Because you're dealing with a you're dealing with a lot of different personalities, so I I'm excited to meet her, and I think that yeah, if if the leadership there in the football department think that she's the right person for the job, uh, I'm expecting her to be excellent. Yep, same. I agree. Well, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys what was the most important thing that happened for OU football this weekend. This first one comes from OU DNA guy who says no arrests or DUIs is always a good thing. Hashtag culture, hashtag OU DNA. That, that's a great point. It has been a very quiet few months on the on that front, Ted, which is always a very good thing. Speaks that's to the character of the guys on the team. Yeah, that's yeah, it's the it's the off season for football, but it's the on season for uh, off the field problems. So yes, we've avoided that so far. That's good. That is good. And this other one comes from Sooner Virginia. It says the pride of Kingfisher High School and Sooner legend promoted to GM of OU football. Phenomenal promotion. 
that will continue to instill Coach Venable's winning culture in our program. Look at this picture he attached. Look at a young Curtis Lofton going in the Kingfisher jersey. My goodness. I like it. That is, that's another piece of it that I really hadn't thought about until now is Venables and this staff, it's clear they have made a greater effort to have a bigger presence here in the state of Oklahoma. When it comes to the just the schools they're going and visiting, but you know the number of guys that they're bringing in, having Curtis be a guy that played at Kingfisher and was an Oklahoma guy. I mean, that just allows him to relate some of these guys even more. I mean, he can yeah. relate to any recruit because he was super highly recruited, awesome player, NFL, the whole thing. But him being able to have have that experience of what it feels like to be an Oklahoma kid and then go play at OU and everything that comes with it. That's, that's extremely valuable as well. Yeah. And you know, it's also, it's valuable, not just in, in being able to relate. It's valuable for him. It's a different perspective that quality players can come from every nook and cranny of every state it doesn't matter how big the school is doesn't matter you know there's there's a lot of factors and i think you can you can carry some bias maybe against small town players that maybe aren't going up against the the best of competition but you know since he lived that he won't carry that bias and i think that's a good thing i do too all right let's talk some college football playoff in the college football roundup coming up next. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore and celebrate with a schooner All American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Ale Works, named after the iconic Sooner schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score. You can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Works. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletic Events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. And Simple Modern is an Oklahoma-owned company founded by former Sooners. Their mission statement is, we exist to give generously, and they've given millions away in product and donations to nonprofits all over the state and all over the country. Simple Modern is a great company with a great mission, and their products are also the perfect swag for any small business owner. You can customize tumblers, water bottles, and coffee mugs to give to current or potential customers. They will love the quality and how trendy they are. Check them out at simplemodern.com. College Football Roundup. College football playoff changes. The CFP Board of Managers 
officially changed the format of the 12-team playoff in 2024 and 2025 to a 5-plus-7 model, meaning the 12-team playoff will consist of the five highest-ranked conference champions and then seven at-large bids. Ted, how are you feeling about it? I like it. I like it. It's college football is weird. There is no perfect symmetrical way to do things like the NFL where you've got, you know, the NFC, AFC divisions and, and all of that. Everyone plays a mixed schedule. That's almost equal across the board. No way to do that in college football. Um, this isn't perfect, but it's far better than what we've had previously. 12 teams, I think is awesome. What I don't know and what I'm most interested in is like, what does this, like when we had the 14 playoff, it really changed what it mean to be a successful program. Right. Right. Um, like previously you had your, your BCS bowls. So what you had, you had 10 teams or so every year that were in the BCS bowls in the national championship. Right. Uh, is that right, 10, or was it 12? So if you made a BCS Bowl, that was a big deal. And then we go to the playoff era, and now all of a sudden you're down to four teams. You didn't make – I mean, you could still make a New Year's Six and be successful, but you weren't a part of really that top tier. Now it's going to be back to 12, and I'm just I'm, – I'm curious to see kind of what that does for what it means to be a successful program what it does for scheduling, for non-conference stuff. I mean, I've got a lot of questions, but I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I. there are going to be unintended consequences with this. Mm -hmm. And remember, this is only for the next two years. And we'll get to it. I, I think the format is likely to change again with the power that the SEC and the Big Ten hold now. But just looking at the next two years for OU in a, any program of that caliber, I do think it's going to be viewed as a failure if you don't make the 12-team playoff. Which seems about right. Because yeah. if you're Oklahoma, your expectation is to play for a conference style and to go to the playoff. So I know that it's a new league. I know that there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period, but yeah, there's 12 spots. And I think it's, I really think it's more than fair to say, Hey, if you don't get one of those 12 spots, that's, you know, that's below the standard. Am I viewing it wrong? Because that's just kind of how I feel when you look at no. These next couple seasons for Oklahoma, my expectation is you know, get get into the 12-team playoff. Here's what I think is interesting. What does the 12-team playoff make a conference championship game meaningless? I mean, it's not always because you're going to have your automatic tie-ins, but I mean, for the SEC, rarely are you going to have 
an SEC championship game where the two teams aren't going to be in the 12-team playoff. Does that make sense? I would go as far as saying you will never have an SEC championship game where both teams aren't going to the playoff. Yeah. I guess it matters for seeding. That's that's the only thing is... I don't want it. I want it to matter. I don't want it to become a talking point that why are we playing this extra game? You know what I'm saying? That's the the seeding, and that's where it's interesting. If it were up to me, looking at the next two years of the college football playoff, the top four teams should get a bye. Just the top four teams, not the top four conference champions. Just who yep. do we think are the best four teams? But if the SEC championship game was number one Georgia versus number two Alabama, then the loser would still get a bye, most likely. Now, I also yeah. think that the way that we view a successful season from a record standpoint is going to change with how the Big Ten and the SEC have have consolidated you know some of the biggest brands in the sport yeah i agree i I don't think that we're going to have a bunch of teams ripping off undefeated seasons now maybe i'm wrong but i think it's going to have more of an nfl feel to it from a record standpoint and what is deemed as as successful but it just feels like this format that we'll have over the next two years and remember, it originally got held up because of the Pac-12. They wanted some assurances. I They don't have enough teams to qualify for an automatic bid, so I guess creating the extra at-large bid in the 5-plus-7 model is a win for Oregon State and Washington State. But I, I don't know, man. I just feel like th- we're going to have this format for two seasons. And then it's going to change again, whether it's how the automatic qualifiers are handled or the size of the playoff. The The SEC, I, I feel like the SEC and Big Ten agreed to this with the understanding that, hey, we have all the power moving forward and you're going to have to negotiate with us. You remember, they've form their little advisory partnership. I I just can't imagine that the SEC and the Big Ten are going to agree to this format, this 5 plus 7 moving forward. I just, I don't see it at all, man. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't mind the buy situation. That's fine. Um, but one of the things I think is dumb is that if you like, let's say Georgia continues their run of dominance under this scenario, Georgia will never get to host a home playoff game. You know, I, the coolest thing about the playoff for me is playoff games at campus stadiums. Like we've never seen anything like that before. It is so um, to think about hosting OU hosting Notre Dame for a playoff game or going to wherever Penn State for a play like that is 
the coolest part of the whole deal. And you wipe a big section of that off whenever you enter in to the bowl stuff. I think it's stupid. And I love bowl games. But can you imagine in the NFL if you're the number one overall seed and you have to play like you don't the first round is played at home, like at NFL stadiums at the home team site. And then whenever you enter the dance, you got to play at a neutral site. That's stupid. Completely agree. I don't know how you marry that with the bowl stuff, though. You know, it's well, a, it's simple. You don't you stop letting <laughs> you you stop letting some of these bowls control the sport. You have the you have the bowl game at the site, I guess, right at at the Georgia Georgia Stadium, yeah. I guess. Yeah, you can have your. The Rose Bowl committee can handle the organization of the game and do some events around it. I, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm with you. I I think the first two rounds should be at home stadiums. That way you'd get the bye and then you get your home game. Mm-hmm. That's how That's how it works in a perfect world for me. But there's a big meeting today in Dallas. They they may have the five plus seven format figured out for the next couple of years, but there's still a lot to figure out for the college football playoff after that. And they still have to figure out what the format's going to be, including automatic qualifiers and the size of the playoff. They got to figure out the revenue distribution for the college football playoff. And did you see what the Mac commissioner said? That letter he sent out? Mm-hmm that despite some of the reporting about ESPN agreeing to a six-year extension to exclusively carry the CFP, the CFP Board of Managers has not reviewed any type of documentation for a new TV deal for the college football playoff. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not happening, and The Athletic actually doubled down and said that ESPN has agreed to terms for that six-year extension with with the company that reps the college football playoff, but it hasn't been seen or voted on yet. So they got to figure that out, Ted. And that's the the TV deal is the most important piece of this entire thing. Yeah. But right now, the according to the athletic, the power five, they split about 80% of the CFP revenue. Here's the quote right here. Each conference receives roughly the same share regardless of its appearance or performance in the postseason. There's just no way the SEC and Big Ten will be down for that moving forward. No. So I don't know if you give those two conferences a guaranteed percentage of the revenue. Do you make the percentage of revenue based on how many teams you get in the playoff? I don't know, but I know that Sankey and Petiti are going to be asking for a lot, and I'm sure there's going to be details that come out about that that meeting that's taking place right now, and they're going to ask for they're going to ask for things that are going to make a lot of other people in the room uncomfortable. I'm sure. Well, I you have to be rewarded for success. You know, I, 
I understand the revenue sharing model and all of that. I think it sucks in college football because there are there are teams and there are conferences that contribute very little to the overall, you know, the the massive product and the fact that they would like have some type of equal share is to me I would be a very hard pill to swallow for the SEC and the Big Ten and the and the guys that 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 those teams draw the massive ratings. That's where the bulk of the revenue is coming from. Yeah, and I kind of to lend what you're saying, and that was your big deal with OU in the Big Twelve. You always felt like there were a lot of teams in the Big Twelve that were cashing checks off OU's success. Yep. Well, look what's happened since the announcement of OU in Texas to the SEC. Everyone had to get their shit together, right? And they started spending money on their programs and, and actually investing some some resources. But I saw this, I saw this from Ross Dellinger. If you look at how the conferences are constructed now, and you apply the five plus seven model to the last decade of the college football playoff the SEC and the Big Ten would have accounted for 73 of 120 spots in the college football playoff. 61%. It's crazy. So with, with Petiti and Senke being armed with that knowledge, there's just no doubt that they're going to ask for more guaranteed spots or they're just going to want it to be the top 12 teams or... Maybe you expand to 16 and you give the Big Ten and SEC four spots each. I, I don't know. Would guaranteeing them half the field, would that would that be sufficient? I don't know. But when you look at that number, 61%, you got to imagine that the Big Ten and SEC are going, we're going to get ours here, yeah. guys. And if you're the yeah, Big 12, you're the ACC, you really, I mean, what can you say? Yeah, and if you think think about, like, the SEC in particular, you've had, what, you've had Alabama, Georgia, LSU. Who else from the SEC has made it? Is it just those three teams have made the playoff? Is there someone I'm missing off the top of my head? I'm sure we're forgetting someone. But like you have uh, you've got the the ACC has only had Clemson make it, right? I It's crazy that you have Well, Florida uh, State a made it early, right? No. They no. won their championship the year before year before it started. That was the Jameis year. Or maybe it's 2 years before. They won it 13, I think. And then yeah, and then the first year was 14. Ohio State, Alabama, that group. But anyways, the point is, you've had a very small group of teams carry the the bulk of the load, even for, you know, the conferences that have made it a bunch. Yeah. it. I, I don't know if that's going to change at all moving forward, but that's it just should. how it when you marry that with the, what's been going on in the transfer portal, it should flatten out the top a little bit. Right? Not a lot, but it should flatten out the top a little bit. 
to where you're not so not as top heavy as you've been in college football. At least that's a hope. I mean, I think is I mean, is that what we want? Is that better for everyone? I mean, I know we like the best of the best and watching the best of the best, but you know, I don't think it's bad if you add a few more teams to the mix to be able to go in and compete for a championship. I I completely agree. I just want to see home playoff games. I just think that's going to be awesome. Give me that's as many of those as possible. As it's many that, as you want to give me. Should be the I would do the exact same as a, a neutral championship other than that home sites. Any other college football playoff thoughts before we move on? I don't think so. How do you feel how do you feel about the format for OU? Is it and remember, this is just a two-year snapshot. I think we all want Oklahoma to go in there and start winning SEC titles. <laughs> One of my initial reactions when I saw the format is that it may be easier for OU to win the national title than to win the SEC title. Yeah. I Yeah, I... I just like we talked about, it may be easier when the national championship in basketball than it is to win the big 12 championship. You know, it's yeah. Uh, I I think there, there could be a lot of truth to that. And it's so hard to kind of, it's hard to wrap my head around it because if we were in the big 12, I would be saying, this is great. We should be a, a lock to make the playoff every single year. An absolute lock. If you don't make the playoff, you have had a bad season. Right? But in the SEC, I'm not I'm not as sure like what exactly that looks like. Is there are we going to see three teams from the SEC every year? Are we going to see four? I just I don't I don't know since we're entering a whole new landscape just for the lay of the land, it's hard to get your head around where we're going to fall in year one. And then you add the 12-team playoff to the mix. Is, I'm just, I don't know. Big 12 I, might be kicking back in the recliner. Yeah. the I don't know what is best for the Big 12 in the ACC these next couple years. When, when you look at, would it be best for them for the SEC and the Big Ten to get a lot of teams in? So that they go, hey, we like this format. This is great. But then with that, it would say, hey, we need a bigger piece. They're going to want a bigger piece anyways from the revenue distribution. Would that be best or would or would it be best if the SEC only got two teams in and maybe the Big, Team, Big Ten only got one or two? Because then those conferences would go, hey, we need to make this field bigger or we need to change how it does. So I, I don't know. I just feel like the Big 12 in the ACC are pretty much just at the mercy of the big 10 in the SEC. That's how it feels to me. Like, yeah, it I, feels like Sankey and Petiti hold. I won't say all the power because maybe ESPN has the most power of anyone in this entire thing, but it feels like they got a lot of power in the way that this thing's going to look after, you know, starting in 2026. My feeling is it's going to be 12-team playoff year one, 
screaming success. Playoff, 12-team playoff year two, screaming success. And what happens whenever you have a screaming success? Oh, my God. Imagine how awesome it will be if we have 16 teams in the playoff, right? Don't you think? 16 gets gets us more home playoff games, so I'm all for it. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like if you Sign can, me up. If you could get us more home playoff games than playoff games played on college campuses, that's what I'm I'm hopeful for. When when you get to 16, though, that's another game. Then there is that you start worrying about what that means for conference championship games because the game you're starting to play, yeah. you're starting to play a lot of football games then. Mm-hmm. But the guys and, are getting compensated now, so. And you're starting to, there becomes a point of watering it down, which you don't want. Right. You want good matchups all the way through. So I don't know. We'll we'll land on something, or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just tinker with this thing forever. I'm sure we will. We'll have some more information after after this meeting. A lot, a lot of discourse going on. A lot of articles from places like Yahoo and The Athletic and Sports Illustrated. So we'll see. We'll see what comes out of that that meeting that's taking place right now in Dallas. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, all oh, you grill masters, listen up. Didier Ranch delivers premium quality beef that is 100% raised in Oklahoma right to your front door. Go to DidierRanch.com, D-I-D-I-E-R, Ranch.com to order one of their premium quality beef boxes and use promo code OKLAHOMA15 for 15% off your order. Filet, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, steak burgers, they got it all and they ship anywhere in the continental U.S. and Oklahomans can get deliveries in just one to two days. The only thing better than having a lot of premium beef on the O&D line is having premium beef delivered right to your front door. Didier Ranch, tradition tastes better. It's good. Their stuff's good, man. I know. We've been, we've been cooking it at the house. It's real good. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game, and with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Baker Mayfield. Now, it, it looked and felt like as the playoffs were going on and came to an end and they capped off a really nice season that it was just going to be a, a a Tampa Bay negotiation, extend him, and off we go. Has it really taken shape like that? Which, you know, if you kind of think about it, where Baker Mayfield was and like where they brought him in, he may have screwed up their plans to tank and draft a franchise type quarterback high in the draft. Right. So they're kind of in a weird spot. Um, but there's been some other suitors that have started to show up and some different names have been thrown around. Denver Broncos have been thrown around. New England Patriots have been thrown around. Minnesota Vikings have been thrown around. Washington 
So there's some other names out there, and you know they they slapped a franchise tag on Winfield. So, um, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm starting to think that perhaps the price tag for Baker Mayfield is going to be higher than I thought, because if you're his representation, you know exactly what you're saying. Um, fifty. We'll start at fifty million a year. And that's where we'll we'll go from whenever you look at, you know, quarterbacks that were in the playoffs. So I don't know. It's interesting, but I think in the long run, it's going to equal more money for Baker Mayfield. I, I can't imagine that it doesn't now of the places you mentioned. I'd love to see him in Denver. Uh, Played for Sean Payton, didn't play for him for long. But I can tell you without a doubt that Sean Payton would love coaching Baker Mayfield. He is, he's got that competitiveness, that fire to him as well, that edge, whatever you want to call it. And I think that that would be two guys that could get on the same page. And then the offense, I think Baker could execute it at a high level. I think I saw, the play action stuff that he does would help Baker out too. Yeah. A lot of extended play action stuff and you know, got to see Drew Brees do it. Also a lot of quick decision making in that offense. You know, some pretty simple concepts when it's hey, is the middle of the field open or the middle field closed? That's that's where you're making your decisions. So I, I think that Baker has the football IQ to play in that system and to be really successful at it. Now you got to get weapons around them. They're obviously a lot has to happen with the way that the offense looked in Denver, but that would be, that would be sweet for me. Uh, I still remember quite a bit of that offense that I think that uh, I think that Baker could operate that thing at a high level. And I would just love to see the, the dynamic between those two personalities. That would be entertaining. And I'm just here to be entertained. Man, and they may they either love each other or hate each other. I, uh, what do you think? I think, I think Sean Payton probably has a lot of respect for Baker because they're cut from a similar cloth attitude wise. And he's, I mean, I'm not comparing him, but there's some similarities to Drew Brees, just kind just, of the path and and everything like got some things working against you. And he certainly has the arm strength. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is no doubt anyone that watched the Bucks this year, Baker can absolutely rip it. So mm-hmm. he can make every throw that Sean would want him to make in that offense. You go back and think when Drew Brees' arm was a little more live and how they were pushing it down the field with some mm-hmm. of that extended play action stuff and then how it developed over time, more the short and intermediate passing game. The quick decision making from Breeze, I I think, I think Baker would fit in that offense, really really well. Yeah, I wouldn't mind you know, and I think that regionality matters, and uh, you know, Denver, the Broncos, like Oklahoma's kind of split into thirds a little bit with Kansas City, Denver, and Dallas fans, and then you've got your your mixed bag in there, but. 
you know, some of that stuff does matter for teams whenever you can bring in a guy that grabs a, a part of your market area. Yeah. And he's just fun. He's marketable. Just, he's just fun. He's mar- he's extremely marketable. <laughs> Whether you like him or you don't. Russell Wilson. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, certainly a big change for Russell Wilson. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I had to go with OU baseball. That damn Dallas Baptist. Okay. You called it. I'm telling you. It's it's crazy. They've got a really good program, but you know, there's it's not all bad. They gave up the the grand slam, I think, in the seventh. Uh with the game was tied seven seven. You know, uh we're generating offense though is what I like. Um you know, we're we're moving the guys around and have we've had some errors on defense a little more than than what we would expect at this point in the season. I think they've had five errors through four games, which is is more than you want. Um in the pitching, uh, obviously was not what you wanted last night, but I still think that we've got some good depth in in the in the pitching staff and don't take the Dallas Baptist loss. For more than what it is, right? If we were on a destiny to win the College World Series this year, we would still lose to Dallas Baptist. Okay, <laughs> I'm just telling you that's how it goes. Is Dallas Baptist your least favorite college baseball team? No, they're one of my favorites because they're it's predictable. I know it's going to happen. It's one of those that I love to complain about it. You know. It, it- <laughs> Every year we've done this podcast, when that series or that game is rolled around, you've been like, that damn Dallas Baptist. <laughs> no, they got a good program, though, man. And I just, it's to the point of, it's a, it's a yearly ritual for me now. Well, I'm sure Skip Johnson and the boys will bounce back in a big way. Hey, Yeah, all that to say, I still really like this baseball team this year. I think they've got they've got a lot of promise. They, they've got some young guys that are going to start playing really well. They're getting they're generating some runs, and the pitching staff looks deep. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it'll it'll ultimately come down to how the staff pitching staff takes shape. But if you're scoring runs, if you're entertaining, if guys are cl- crossing the plate. Yep, people are going to want to watch. People are going to want to go to the games. Give us all the runs, Skip. Let's go. Yep. And I think they're going to score a lot. Spikerman's off to a pretty good start. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing and design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. And head to OpolisClothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. For my winner of the week, 
thought about going with allergens. They're back in full force here in Oklahoma, Ted. My yes, God. they are. That southern breeze brought everything up from Texas. Uh, they, this is a very Oklahoma conversation, but you can <laughs> hear it in my voice, right? I, yep. I, I'm a couple octaves lower. <laughs> I just, I mean, it just punches you in the face, work. man. It just punches you in the face. But my winner of the week, William Byron. 26-year-old that has stormed onto the NASCAR scene, wins the Daytona 500, which it was so weird that it was on Monday afternoon because of the rain Mm -hmm. delay. But, man, guy had an awesome year last year. I think he won more races than anyone else last season and comes out and wins Daytona. It, It seems like this dude is destined for NASCAR greatness, Dad. Well, I'm yeah, people, I watch NASCAR. What's up? I did not watch. Um, I feel like it's not common, but I feel like we've had the the Monday holiday race with the Daytona 500 like several times over the last however many years. But yeah, um, I think it ran as scheduled 50 something years in a row, and then it's been like three of the last. I don't know, like three in the last decade. Yeah. Have have gone on Monday. But hey, you know, it's I I always there's only only so many hours in the day and so many things that you can watch, but um if I could, I'd love to get back into NASCAR a little bit. It's an easy watch. And how about this? Norman's own. Christopher Bell finished third. Nice. Big time, but there was there was a big one. My son was fired up that all the cars were crashing. And I was trying to explain to him. Not a good thing. <laughs> but you think college football has a lot of commercials? My goodness. The Daytona 500 is just a commercial fest. So like, many commercials. Like, they're going like box, like they're, no. you're watching the race and no. No. It's not, like go- it's not like the playing through thing in golf. They just cut to commercial and they cut to commercial. And I'm pretty sure Michael McDowell, who drives the loves car, the 34 was in first place when they cut to commercial, they came back and I couldn't find him. I was like, what, what, what happened? <laughs> Something went wrong with the car. He, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't getting, getting the type of speed he needed to be competitive, but I, it was one of those things where the commercial happened and I had no idea what was going on with McDowell, but there were so many commercials at one point that my two-year-old turned to me and goes, where are all the commercials coming from? <laughs> and if a two-year-old notices, then you know you got too many commercials. It was insane, man. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, that's a, that's a big-time win. Congratulations to uh, Mr. Byron. Yeah, big-time. Guy got his start. I say his start, but an iRacing legend as a kid, from what I understand. Okay. And then got into the car, like won a gajillion iRacing races before he got into a car as a teenager. And now apparently that iRacing experience is paying off because that dude looks like he is going to be a a force in the NASCAR scene. Oh, one other thing, little tease. It kind of applies to NASCAR. Do you think that a lot of 
NASCAR fans are, are also PBR fans. There's probably a good crossover there on that Venn diagram. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that decent crossover. Some exciting PBR news for the state of Oklahoma coming over the next couple of weeks. That's all I can say. Oh, yeah. I feel like I heard something about that also. Yeah. So keep your eyes peeled, people. If you are a professional bull riding fan, some exciting news coming for PBR in Oklahoma, especially, you know, more specifically Oklahoma City. So get prepared. Get excited. You jumping on a bull as a promotional thing? Hell no. Those guys are nuts. Have you watched that Amazon Prime show? Uh... No, I have not. It's about PBR teams. You should check it out. It, it those guys are insane. It's it's different, man. It's oh my different. gosh, those dudes are built different. My loser of the week. Thought about going with the special teams ace, Ted. Did you see Matthew Slater's calling it a career? Yeah, been a I, long time. Sixteen seasons, all in New England. Was a captain there for thirteen straight seasons. Made 10 Pro Bowls as a special teamer. Uh, I've seen Belichick on multiple occasions call him the best core special teamer of all time. I I just, I'm not sure we're going to see a guy like this ever again with how the rules have changed. Man, no. he may be, he may be the last, the last core special teamer that was kind of a star for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been some guys over the years that were really good. Uh, Brendan Iambadeo was really good. Um, you know, you had some guys before that. Who was the guy that um, the Patriots had? Larry. Um, oh, gosh, I can't think of it. But they had another one er- like early in their run uh, at New England as well. There's been some guys that have... Uh, done some really good things in special teams, but it's just like getting slowly chiseled out of the game. Congrats on an amazing career to Slater. Every guy that I know that played with him in New England says he's the best dude ever. So awesome career. Now, my loser of the week, get prepared at story time, people. Little parenting story (laughs) here. So I guess my loser of the week would be parents that think that their kids don't absorb everything that they say. So I had read some things that it can be very very beneficial for your toddler if you do like rough and tumble play before bedtime, like before naps and before bedtime, just with something chemically that it does to them and it'll help them sleep better. And I, I also just I'm trying to toughen my son up. My my <laughs> wife won't let me put him in wrestling, so I'm just trying to I'm I'm trying to just toughen him up a little bit. So we have started wrestling before nap time and for bedtime, like 15 to 20 minutes. Like, hey, come on, let's get it on. And nothing too crazy. Most of the time, we're both laughing, and, and the whole time. It it appears he's having a good time, but it's gone according to plan. I think like he's sleeping well. Now he was already sleeping well, but once again, just trying to toughen him up a little bit. Yesterday before his nap, it's wrestling time. He looks me dead in the eyes right before he start and says, 
I want to smoke. <laughs> and I look at him and say, say that again, buddy. What, what, what'd you say? And he goes, I want smokes. <laughs> and dude, I'm racking my brain. Like what? I, I have never smoked a cigarette in my life. I don't even know how to respond, so I'm I'm just trying to put it together. I don't smoke. My wife doesn't smoke. Our parents don't smoke. I'm just trying to figure it out. And I ask him again, like one more time, what, what do you want, buddy? And he's like, I want to do smokes. <laughs> and, dude, I'm just lost. I'm absolutely lost. But when he said, I want to do smokes, I kind of was like, he wants to do smokes. What's that? Mean? So I said, can you show me, show me what you're talking about? And if he was about to put his fingers to his mouth, I was going to, I was going to be pissed. <laughs> but I, I said, show me like you want to do smokes. Show me. Can you show me what you mean? And I was still on my knees from doing the wrestling stuff. Cause I kind of wrestle yeah. on my knees and you know, I can't be standing up. He's, he's two. But he just backs up like six feet, runs as fast as he can at me, and hits me as hard as he can. <laughs> he smoked you. And then it clicked. Because <laughs> we watch a lot of football together. And when a running back or a wide receiver gets hit, I'm like, oh, he got smoked. So he was trying to tell me that Teddy was just trying to tell me he wanted to lay my ass out. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. I love it. I want smokes. That's the new thing. I want smokes. That's what, that's what I'm going to be saying <laughs> and, uh, before we play a game. Because I was trying to figure out this, like, you know, I'm sure I've said, you know, the guy, he wants the smoke around him. You know, that's a popular saying now. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'd said that, but no, it was from us watching football together and me saying something like, oh, that guy got smoked. That's awesome. And so he was trying to communicate that he just wanted to run me over, dude. Uh, sounds like we may have a defensive player on our hands. So now we're working on it. Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to smoke me, eyes up, forehead up. So, because he, he was starting to duck his head. I was like, no, like you I got hear? real serious. Do not duck your head. He's like, yes, dad. Yes. But now before awesome. nap time, before bedtime, I'm getting smoked like 50 times in a row, dude. <laughs> and awesome. now he'll he'll smoke me the initial hit. And if I go down, he will come and like body slam me. Yeah. Tell him that's all good as long as you're not playing quarterback. That's that's 15 yarder if you're quarterback. Well, then I ask him what position he wants to play, and he says quarterback every time. So <laughs> I I think he's just a little confused, but dude, you would have if you would have seen my face when he said, I want smokes, I almost, I, but we figured it out. We're good. I love it. I love it. On that note, episode 398 in the books. Reminder, Jared Followill and Caleb Followill from Kings of Leon will be on Sunday's episode talking about their new album. Also, We'll probably put that up early on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. Appreciate you guys listening. 
Thank you. You're the best. And until next time, do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.